I go out by the back door, into the garden, which is large and tidy. A lawn in the middle, a willow, weeping catkins around the edges, the flower borders. Hello and welcome to The Ubcast, a Handmaid's Tale reader. I'm your host, Max. And I'm your host, Elsie. And today we're talking Chapter 3. So I'm going to lead the charge and give you an honest summary of this chapter, Elsie. I'm I'm really excited, Max. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one is uh, it's a little bit less obtuse, a little, little more clear. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really just one scene. Yeah, I mean, technically it's two scenes, but it's really just like the one interaction. Alfred goes outside into the garden, thinks about the commander's wife. And then remembers the first time they ever met, and then is like, "Oh, I recognize you from the thing," and that's the end. Yes. Um, and the thing is the Growing Souls Gospel Hour. Yeah, where... which is definitely my personal favorite Sunday program. Absolutely. Well, you know, it it's it's the eighties. There's mm-hmm. a limited number of channels you can surf through. So. Yeah, it's a. Uh... There's no, uh, this HBO was not there yet, I don't think. Indeed. HBO with its Sesame Street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, has, you know, I have to wonder, just because I know how Sesame Street functions, do you think they've done a Handmaid's Tale parody yet? I don't think so. Yeah, this is the same program that would do a Boardwalk parody called Birdwalk. Uh, B- I Birdwalk mean, they parodied, Empire. like, a, a, like, really quite... Like, you'd have to have quite niche knowledge to know about a, a, an opera singer. When I was a kid on, on the show, there was a, a, a parody of an opera singer. Um, and my father was like, who is the audience for this joke? Because most <laughs> parents aren't even going to get this. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, I, like, just not to get too off topic with, like, the Cookie Monster journalism-like thing. I just, okay, yeah. I am sure that at some point there will be a Handmaid's Tale parody on Sesame Street, and it's, it'll be specifically for the parents because that's why that, that's why it endures, right? Yes. It's like, yeah. So the big character, the subject of this chapter is the uh, commander's wife. I yes. say that like that because it's a Serena Joy. Serena Joy. What a, what a contrast of a name. Like this oh, yeah. bitter old woman named Serena Joy with, it, with her soft consonants and her literal joy in her name. Like what, what a yeah. nice little balance. And I, I think it's, it's, it's really well shown by the, the last sentence in the, the, the chapter, actually. If we can just immediately jump to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, room, the woman sitting in front of me was Serena Joy, or had been once, it, so it was worse than I thought. Um, Never meet your heroes, but, kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get this, like, description of Serena Joy as this, like, beautiful, super emotional and into it singer in the, gro- um, the, the uh, Growing Souls Gospel Hour, mm-hmm. um, which is a pretty stark contrast from the, like, chain-smoking woman who's, like, f- one of her first lines to him is, like, first lines to her, I mean, is... So old what's-his-face didn't work out then. Yeah. Um, she, like, just gets, just snaps to the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, Alfred points out that, like, smoking is, like, a black market activity. And this woman yeah. is just, like, openly smoking in front of Alfred. Yeah. 
I, you know, it's it's funny. It actually reminds me a bit of the movie Saving Mr. Banks, if you've ever seen it. Yes. Wherein the mystery, the core mystery of the story is not where a character goes from point A to point B, but it shows you point A and point B, and it then ruminates on how they got there. And I think that's the same sort of mystery that we're given. How did this woman go from Serena Joy, this this celebrity that people looked forward to seeing, into this bitter, like, angry, like, like passive-aggressive woman with, like, t- uh, was it c- curled lips or whatever? Like that, like that description? Yeah. Like, it's, you know, and I think it's more so a metaphor for how the world has changed in the time since Alfred was a kid. Yeah, no, and I think it's it's very much a, like, well, so what if what if these these women, like, Phyllis Schlafly, um, uh, and I am blanking on the other woman, but uh, what happens when women like Phyllis Schlafly get their way? What does the world look like mm-hmm. for these women who used to have jobs advocating for traditionalism? Yeah. Yeah. The like I mean the, the, the last sentence is so it was worse than I thought. I mean Alfred really recognizes the fact that this woman used to be this super pious, um, perfect woman and now is this sad and bittered old woman is a sign that this is going to be a really horrible posting. Yeah. And I get the sense like this is akin to like to put it in like our terms like in in non-fictional terms this is like if Alfred was like I recognized the commander he used to be on movies that I would watch as a kid his name used to be Tom Hanks like that's like the vibe I'm getting like let down by like a a figure of genuine like public sincerity now corrupted by the forces that be the forces that change the world I I disagree with that reading um because so one of the things she says about um, Serena Joy is uh, she could smile and cry at the same time, one tear or two sliding gracefully down her cheeks as if on cue, as her voice lifted through its highest notes, tremulous, um, effortless. It was after that she went on to other things. Ah, um, uh, okay, yeah. That, like, I, I feel like there is a sort of tone of, like, she's faking the crying. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, um, no, I, I can see that. I, I, I'll agree with that, yeah. Uh, and, like, I don't know. I, I get the impression that she wasn't a fan of Serena Joy. She just happened to, to watch the, the, the cartoons early in the morning when her mother was asleep. Yeah, so, like, so, in, in one sense, when she says, so it was worse than I thought, it's that not only did I not like how fake this woman was in my, uh, in my youth, but now... I'm right in front of her, and she is like just as bad under you know underneath as I would assume otherwise. Yeah, this is even worse. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, I will, I will publicly retract my Tom Hanks comparison. <laughs> I will uh. issue a public apology to the Hanks estate in the coming days. Yeah, I thought you were going to go more with the 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 Serena Joy is PL travel tra- Travers. That is oh, this sort yeah. of. Wow, I had that. Chain-smoking like, woman mm-hmm. who, like, did this, like, really great thing and wrote this, like, really beautiful story for children, but, like, is incredibly unpleasant to be around. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. I had that, and I just, like, you know what? I want to put this down and try a different thing. That's <laughs> that's that's how I go, you know? Um, if I may jump to the beginning of the chapter, uh, one of the sentences that stuck out to me, it's not my favorite <laughs> one. Okay. In, 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 in On my top ten... Chapter three sentences in The Handmaid's Tale. It's definitely number six. Um, All right. The garden is the domain of the commander's wife, is the sentence that comes before it. Looking out through my shatterproof window, I've often seen her in it, her knees on a cushion, a light blue veil 
thrown over her wide gardening hat, a basket at her side with, wow, that's a long sentence, with shears in it and pieces of string for tying the flowers into place. More specifically, that Alfred would comment on the fact that she's looking at her through the shatterproof window, which was last referenced in context to handmaids, uh, like, uh, to the government blocking handmaids from trying to kill themselves. Yeah. No, and I think it's 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 part of, again, the theme of normal but not normal. Like, yeah. looking out the window and seeing someone gardening is normal, but, I mean, it's really Alfred saying, I'm a prisoner here. I'm looking yeah. out through my shatterproof window mm-hmm. um, at the, the, the commander's wife. And I think there's... Um, there's a bit where she describes how the commander's wife will sit there. Sometimes the commander's wife has a chair brought out, and she just sits in it, in her garden. From a distance, it looks like peace. A- um, I think this is sort of a, a, a sign that the the wife is similarly trapped yeah. here. That she's it, she's pretending that like everything is serene. Everything's fine. Um, this is this is but, fine. This is this is just fine. Yeah, this is fine. This is fine. Um, uh, but it's really all she has is the garden and her knitting, mm-hmm. um, and she's 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 as trapped um, as Alfred is. Yeah. Have you ever maintained a garden? No. Yeah, me neither. Ironically, it is like the domain of my father in my household is the garden. Oh. Yeah. Nice. We grew pumpkins. It was cool. My dad grew tomatoes that were really good. Um, huh. Yeah. My my nice. family has a, a raspberry patch. Um, I, yeah, I can only wonder why the use of specifically the garden as the introductory course to the commander's wife. Like, this is before we, we hear about her conversation five weeks prior. This is, like, really one of the first instances that the commander's wife has even mentioned. And I have to wonder, why the garden specifically? Is it because it is a beacon of matriarchal control in the nuclear household of the family and, like, a, in, like, a more... Uh, not in a more dated setting like the 50s? Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, like, from the get-go, it's like, it's her domain. Like, this is yeah. this is what the commander's wife has, is mm-hmm. the, the, the garden and her knitting. Um, yeah. Uh, and the, the way she describes it at first is like, yeah, you know, her knees are on a cushion, just like, it's really simple. And then when she references the chair, it's like, but don't, don't you worry, this is still not good. Like, this yeah, is... Yeah, it's only yeah. from a distance that it looks like peace. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, no, and there's the, the... She's really bored, the commander's wife. She she doesn't like the standard pattern, patterns for knitting, and she has these other elaborate patterns so that there's more of a challenge to it. Yeah. What's interesting so far, and I'm sure this is intentional, is that the fact is we have only ever heard women interacting with each other. Oh, yeah. So far. And it all looks like hell yeah and it's that we see the same thing that you have with the marthas um repeated with the the commander's wife and offred where she says um she she talks about envying the commander's wife's uh knitting that like she has these tasks that are um uh, achievable she says you know it's good to have small goals that can be easily attained what does she envy me i Um, okay i I actually wanted to ask what that means. I was very confused. Okay. So what I think it means is that Alfred's purpose in the household is solely to get pregnant. Oh. And that is not a small goal that is easily attained. That Wow. That just, like, you know things going over your head? That one, like, took off on a jet fighter way over me because <laughs> I had no idea. Is that why she's so bitter? Like, that actually explains a lot. Wow. Um, 
Wait, did you not know what the handmaids do? I was, I guess I was, un- I mean, I, I would assume they were kind of like slaves, just kind of like to do things around the house and then just not communicate. But now I'm thinking that is totally off base and I'm about to get a rude awakening. <laughs> oh boy. I, wait, give me, give me one second. Um, I will find the chapter where you get your real rude awakening. Oh um. Novice reader, folks. You're you're seeing it in real time. Yeah, I didn't I didn't I didn't mean to spoil this twist for oh, you. Oh, okay, yeah. Um it's all good. Again, this book is like 30 years old, so it's fine. Um <laughs> So, that actually does explain a lot. I mean, that's why she's so bitter. That's why she's like, "Listen, my husband, mine is a death till death do us yeah. part. That's not changing. You bet you better like it's very and she's to to me this is a business transaction. Yeah, see, what I took away from that was that the culture of the handmaids like was to have sex with the commanders by like force anyways, not so much impregnating but just like that's just what they did. Like it was just like you worked around the house and stuff, but like also you had sex with the commander and like that's you know, that's just how it was. I did not think it was like a requirement or oh, the no. sole purpose of the handmaids. It is the sole purpose of the handmaids. Oh, so that's why they just lock um, her up. Okay, okay, this is... Yeah! <laughs> this is why the commander's <laughs> wife was, like, not nice. Like, I was really confused. Yeah. I was like, well, I guess she's just really bitter, but now, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I even if you hadn't come to the conclusion that she's really bitter, I mean, it's already well established that she's... That, like, the commander's going to have sex with her, because, like, the, the Marthas are like, oh, it's not what I would call hard labor. Uh, oh, boy. In the previous chapter. Oh, man. This um, is... Yeah. They go, it's not what I'd call hard labor. And then the other one is like, well, but, like, it could have been me had I been ten years younger and I hadn't gotten my tubes tied. Oh. Man, chapter two just totally, yeah. like, just has completely <laughs> thrown me off base, honestly. Even now, chapter two continues to haunt me. Seriously. Um... This actually makes one sentence even more interesting, and perhaps maybe been upgraded to, like, my favorite sentence, maybe? Or at least among them. It's it's a quote from the commander's wife. She's like, I've seen your record, right? Like, this is more yeah. of a business transaction. What in the world does she mean by that? I was at first like, is she like... Because I initially was like, okay, I know this trope. Like, I've seen your record is, like, something you see in... Movies, video games, television shows all the time when introducing a rebellious or perhaps a character with a troubled history. But in this case, it's like, god damn. Offred, what have you been up to? Well, my whole thing is, she says, I've read your record. I've read your file, okay, is yeah. what she says. She says, I've read your file. Um, it's illegal for women in Gilead to read. Oh. Like, if you get caught reading, they, like cut off one of your Holy fingers, sh- and if you get caught reading again, they cut off Holy- your hand, and you get caught reading again, they put you to death. Shoot. That's, uh, pretty harsh. So, so, like, this is the interesting thing about this chapter, is that it introduces inconsistencies about the book. I have no idea what these inconsistencies mean, but it introduces these in- inconsistencies, so she says, I've read your file, which is like, You've just said to someone that you've committed a capital offense, mm-hmm. um, which, like, you know, of course, we've we've introduced her as a character who smokes and whatever, so she's someone who does other 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 things. Um, but you, you know, that's reading serious business. You wouldn't do that. And um, this is not something that's been pointed out yet, right? If I'm not mistaken. I don't think so. That makes this even um, more interesting because it is implied that. Well, I think that there's something about the like in the second chapter. 
when she's describing the room, there's a book, not a book. Um, uh, uh, there, there's a there's a cushion that says a, a word. Um, but I can't remember. Hmm. Um, now, yeah, I guess, like these inconsistencies. I guess maybe they're supposed. To... But there's a bigger inconsistency. What? Even bigger. So. In the second chapter, she says, I wonder if all the women have the same room. Hmm. Um, is it standard issue? But in the third chapter, it's revealed that this posting is her third posting. She's been in two other rooms. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't understand why there's this inconsistency. I, I don't know, like, what it's supposed to mean. Because it's a chapter apart. Hmm. I mean, perhaps, like, okay, Atwood certainly didn't put that in, like, you know, on accident, right? Like, this is, yeah. this is very clearly, like, putting out, you know, maybe the idea is to show, like, I've read your files, and then you go back and you find out, oh, reading is illegal for women. Like, wow. Yeah. Serena Joy ain't screwing around. Like, that kind of thing? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I... But as far as your, like, initial question about, like, I've read your file, I know you're not stupid, I think it's really supposed to mean, like, I've read your file, I know that you have, like, a college education. Oh. I thought um, it was a lot more, like, like promiscuous. I'm... No, it's like, I knew, I know what you, what you did before everything changed. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not an idiot. Yeah. You're going to behave I yourself. have to wonder if this is just, like, like, a problem that the Galadian Empire has to deal with in this first generation, because soon... Okay, first of all, Gilead's a republic. I'm sorry, the Gil I just want to point that out. All right, that was a, that was, that was a worthy <laughs> um, actually, all right? That was... Uh... <laughs> well, it was, it was a, it's a joke, because it's, like, clearly not, like, democratic in any way. It's sort of a republic in the way that, like, North Korea is a republic. Yeah. So, as a person who reads sometimes, but not always, there's always something I expect when it comes to reading stuff, and this... It's, it's time, Elsie, mm -hmm. to talk about grammar and punctuation. The, our favorite part of reading a book, right? Our favorite part of reading, definitely. So, I have been conditioned to expect quotation marks when somebody is speaking to another character, and yet, and yet, Elsie, there is none. There, <laughs> there is there none, is none. Yes. Why do you think that is? Um, I think that the whole thing is happening in flashback. That's why she jumps around so yeah. much. Now, I have, like, I, I, um, I wondered, like, you know, at the risk of breaking any rules about studying a book. I, I had to think about the authorial intent. And I have to wonder, is yes. this a way for Margaret Atwood to keep us in her head? So, like, there's no, like, we don't have to think about somebody else's voice speaking. It's always in yeah. Alfred. Well, this might actually answer the question about the inconsistency as far as um, Serena Joy saying, I've read your file. Mm -hmm. It's it's probably Alfred recalling what Serena Joy said. Yeah. So perhaps it's her getting words wrong. Yeah, that's what I was about, I was it's about not, to ask that, yeah. Yeah, that it's not 100% accurate because this is Alfred telling us this story. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the dialogue isn't in quotations because it's Alfred saying all yeah. of it. Now, I don't know if this constitutes as a spoiler, Elsie, but I guess I, I should ask, can we rely on Alfred? Can we rely on this narrator or should we be wary of what she thinks and says? Um, I think we can rely on her. I'm certainly, I don't believe we're given any reason to believe that she's lying to us. Yeah, what, what if the Galadian Republic is, like, totally cool and she's just, like, a super Debbie Downer about it? Like, 
It's like it's illegal for women to read. Well, no, it's just like it. Women just like it's just like it. Like she's just totally a downer about everything, and we're like getting a totally different image. Yeah, I mean, but to the risk of spoiling it, we I mean we do get a, a another perspective in the in the in the final epilogue of the book, and that final perspective, although um, it disagrees with Alfred and in, in some of her approach, doesn't seem to be like Alfred is being factually inaccurate hmm. as to what happened. That's okay. That's that's a good. That's um, good to know. Then that's good that we can trust this. Narrative. So I, I I wouldn't say that she's an unreliable narrator. Do I have to wonder? There should. I'm sure there exists a book that is told from a like a narrator so unreliable that like their entire perspective is totally like screwed up, and then there's like a twist at the end that, that it turns out <laughs> they were wrong about everything. I'm sure that book exists, and if not, it should be written. Anyway, um, well, I watched a, a movie, and I'm I'm blanking on what it was called. Um, I, Me from the future, like look up what this movie was called. But part of the premise of the the movie was that like. It was this teenage girl who has, like, an affair with three different men. Um, and I was like, oh, it's, like, kind of gross that this was Dawson cast and there's, like, a bunch of things that don't make sense. Hmm. And then you realize at the end of the movie that it was an adaptation of her blog and she was changing facts. So she has, like, a romantic affair with a film studies professor. Oh, of course. And it turns out it's not a film studies professor. It's a guy who runs, like, the, the DVD rental place. Oh, that's... That's a really interesting thing. I've never heard of this movie. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. Um, that's like, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, and it was like the casting changed in like the last five minutes of the movie. So it was like the Dawson cast actress who was like, you know, looked like her, she's in her 20s. So you didn't have this like disconnect in your head where you're like this teenager should not be having sex with grown men is all of a sudden played by a teenager mm, yeah i have seen similar movies that do that so it's like they switch cast members for the explicit purpose of making you feel uncomfortable about what, yeah. what you're watching and uh, that's yeah um i would assume that to be i mean but in this case it was like intentionally like it was it was diegetic it was within the text yeah in, in my case it was like something that was very deliberately made from the perspective of the storyteller, like, the director, the writer, whatever. So it was yeah. non Yeah, and I think, like, that's the sort of thing we're coming back to whether or not this is an unreliable narrator. I don't think she's changing any of the facts to make herself look better or to make things look worse, but I think everything is touched by her perspective, and we're definitely seeing the world through her eyes and through her thought process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, man, do I want to... Mm, should I bring this up? What what video game are you comparing this no, to? I was going to bring up Rowling. <laughs> bring I was going to bring up Rowling for a second. Uh, because, in a, <laughs> you know, in a way that the... Okay, it kind of, at the risk of... Uh, at the risk of saying her name three times and having her appear in the mirror, um, it reminds <laughs> me of how J.K. Rowling would narrate at least the early Harry Potter books in a way that was very biased and that would actually color how we saw a lot of the houses. Like, oh, yeah. You know, people, like, for years, people made fun of Hufflepuff because it was, like, the other house, even though within the text, within the within the greater text of the Harry Potter universe, it's not. In the same way that the Slytherin house yeah. is not all evil and the Gryffindor house is not all good. In fact, you know, it's actually filled with a bunch of idiots. So, like, the narrator yeah. is not so much unreliable as, it, as she is biased. In Alfred's case, yeah. it's very much a trustworthy narrator that will give us a more balanced perspective, I guess. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, I mean, I think certainly, I think she's the best character to 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 set this perspective. Alfred is fair and balanced. Because, 
well, I think she sees the most is the real mm-hmm. thing. Um, she sees a lot more of what's going on, and um, even though she's being highly tracked and regulated, um, she's sort of there's more people who are concerned about her, and there's more stuff happening um, around her and to her than other characters in the story. Yeah. So I think she experiences a lot more. Like I think this book would be really boring from the point of view of the mm-hmm. commander. Oh man. Dang it, I just remembered what I was going to say earlier about the Galadian Republic or whatever. <laughs> well, then say it, because we'll edit uh, it in. It kind of reminds me, it does make me wonder in the Galadian Republic, which is probably not the actual term, how they think about the first generation of handmaids in comparison to the next one. Like, considering that Offred is well-read, considering that she is educated, I wonder if, as the generations will go on, regardless of whatever happens in this book... Um, I wonder if that was a precaution that the Galadian Empire has to take, you know? Like... You, you don't have to wonder. Oh, wonderful. Um, I think it, it, it does sort of talk about it. Um, she, she says that on the first day, she's allowed to walk through the front door, and then she says, things haven't settled down, it's too soon. Everyone is unsure about our exact status. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, that, like, there is sort of this, like we haven't all settled into this, like, new, super weird cast system. Um. Which, yeah, it actually does remind me of the part of the world building. Like, there's every, it's now every chapter. Every chapter there's, like, a new piece of world building that totally, like, makes me think about the entire context of what I've been reading so far. In this chapter's case, yeah. there's no money. Gilead, Gilead beat capitalism, everybody. Congratulations. They did it. Um, oh, on on that note, I did get into a fight with someone on Twitter like two months ago because she was saying that Gilead's communist. And I was like, you can't just call everything you don't like communism. Yeah. Dang, communist. <laughs> um, where does it mention that they don't have About money? the black market, you know, even though we don't have any real uh, money, yes. there is always a black market for something, which is like the truest sentiment. Oh yeah, the, the, I mean, this is this appears in the the first chapter. There's always something to trade. You still mm-hmm. have your body. Um, Are the okay, I, I, this is probably a detail I have totally overlooked. Are the handmaids mm-hmm. in their own rooms each, or do they all sleep in the same area? They're in their own rooms mm-hmm. each because she describes it as like she's in a guest room. Huh. <laughs> all right. Uh, now I've gotten to the point where I'm visualizing my parent the the house I grew up in with a guest room and like, yep, that's where Alfred would be. Exactly. Well, she says like um, it, it would be a, a, a room in a, a rooming house it would, if, uh, for for women in reduced circumstances. Mm-hmm. That's what we are now. The circumstances have been reduced for those of us who still have circumstances. I would like the listeners at home to know that I didn't read that from the book. I just recited it from memory because I am an obsessive. Elsie is like <laughs> she she knows Handmaid's Tale on like a level. Like completely. Ev- That's not. I just. I need to stop. It's too much. Just, it's elevated. <laughs> it's elevated. Um. Um. Yeah. I. I think that like. There is a really interesting dynamic where she really hopes when she shows up that um. She'll have a positive relationship with the wife. Yeah. That like. Um, oh, there's. I think you might be getting to my favorite line. In the in in the, in the chapter, yeah, it's like I was disappointed. I wanted then to turn her into an older sister, a motherly figure, someone who'd understand and protect me. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, like I think, like 
Because, like, as as we've established earlier in the episode, because apparently it's a spoiler, um, uh, that, like, she is in this, like, really scary place of, like, she is raped every month with the hopes that she'll get pregnant. Um, and so she really, really wishes that there was there there's someone, anyone in the household who will, like, see her and empathize, like, take care of her and empathize. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they won't. The commander's wife won't do that now because yeah. she's already and resentful. So the commander's wife is like, yeah. Um, and like, we also get a look at her previous posting where she says that the wife in my posting before had spent most of her time in her bedroom. The Martha said she drank. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Man. Yeah. <laughs> I. That like there's there are the the different ways that the wives deal with it, um, but none of them deal with it by empathizing, and it's the same thing as the the Marthas we see in in chapter two, where Rita and Cora are talking about Alfred in this yeah. way that is like extraordinarily slut shamey, given the fact that Alfred's choices were extraordinarily limited. Mm-hmm. I think you know I feel like we have all been in a situation wherein we are in a very bad place. And we are in a very bad place with other people, and we hope that we will forge some kind of misery loves company esque bond, and they just they just will not. I'm sure we have yeah. all been there. Maybe not in this specific scenario, and yeah, not not in this specific. But like scenario, in a sim- but, but like in a similar sort of emotional state where it really does seem like the entire world is against us. N- yeah. You know, in this case, a literal sense, but like in our cases, perhaps just like a metaphorical, catastrophizing sense. Um, yeah. No. I think another interesting thing is that um, she doesn't introduce herself. Yeah, she does not. We find out that her name is Serena Joy because Alfred is like, I remember her. Alfred doesn't even ask what to call her. She's like, don't call me ma'am. Do not do that. Yeah, well, she's like, I realized that I wouldn't have occasion to call her anything. Yeah, I, ugh, this is such like, I mean, it's funny. This is like, this is a term that's used a lot. I noticed perhaps too much, but this is a very passively toxic relationship wherein it is born out of resentment and it never dies it just always remains in a simple in the same position because of the circumstances surrounding the uh the man in the relationship (laughs) yeah no and and she really sees Alfred as a as a threat yeah which is funny i guess i would assume and i don't mean to (laughs) i don't mean to throw shade at the commander's wife but i don't think she's um been Touched in a while, uh, just based on, yeah, yeah, the description, how she was, God, the, Alfred is so well-read, she is willing to bring up the knuckly fingers, you know? Yeah, no, that was the, that was my favorite mm-hmm. line, was the, the way, like, so it says, um, I wasn't looking at her face, but the part of her I could see with my head lowered. Her blue waist thickened, her left hand on the ivory head of her cane, the large diamonds on her left, her ring finger, which must have once been fine been fine and and was still finely kept the fingernail at the end of the knuckly finger uh filed to a gentle curving point that there's something like they're like talons there's something sort of like hawkish terrifying and manicured about serena joy uh-huh. um and you get the sense that Alfred feels extraordinarily small in the situation both in in this sort of like 
description of a, a, a claw on a, a, a cane handle and the bit where the guardian walks away and she describes it as, I felt as if a protective arm were being withdrawn. Yeah, that, that's my favorite line. The threshold line. of a new home is a lonely place. Yeah, that's, that's actually my favorite sentence in the, in the chapter. Yeah. Because we have we all know what it feels like when we are about to be dropped off somewhere, like when we're a kid and we're dropped off at like our aunts that we don't like and they slowly drive <laughs> away and it's like, protection off. The armor has been shed. We are we are naked. We are completely yeah. uh, hapless. Um, y- you know, there's actually another thing. I keep thinking about it. Serena Joy, that name, and there's actually a reference to a video game that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be very nerdy. Elsie, you better be ready for this. All right, I'm I'm here. One for of my favorite it. video game franchises is called Ace Attorney. It's a visual novel series wherein like you are supposed to like catch the culprit of a case and defend your client as a lawyer. And Serena Joy is absolutely the name they would use for a character who was who appears to be nice and very emotional, but is actually cold-hearted and definitely murdered that person by shoving them into a into a ga- uh, into an oven. Definitely, like that, like that is like that's the pun game they're coming up with. Serena Joy, like it's it's almost comedic, just how like how much of the con- how like I talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but like it's like taking two rocks and just like scratching them against each other. That is, yeah. Just like scratch them against each other. Yeah, it's so out of, out of like place and out of line to have these two distinctly different, like you know, serene and joy, put together with this hawkish, like, almost, like, as you said, manicured. And she's extremely shriveled up, yeah. old woman. She has like arthritis in her leg, and um, so she has to like prop it up and stuff. And there's like the description of her hair underneath her veil that's still blonde, and she's like very well kept, but she's she's old and decrepit. You know what they say? You know, scientists say. I actually don't know if scientists say this, but like if you know, sometimes very unkind and bitter people look that way on the outside, and you know, you have to wonder if that was the point in try in making uh in making mrs joy miss joy whatever as um just like you know first off showing her to be this very good 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 thing she wasn't a nurse yeah yeah showing her to be a very um like very rough and um oh what's 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 the what is the bet what's what's the best way for it like she's rough around the edges she is ah Coarse? coarse yeah God, I know where you're going. I know, I know where you're going. Yeah, she's coarse and rough, and I'm gonna stop right there. Um, <laughs> it wasn't where I was going, <laughs> but you set it up, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> um, well, you didn't, you didn't respond to the joke I made earlier, where you were referring to her as Miss Joy, and I said it was a good thing she wasn't a nurse. Oh, oh man, how did I? Yeah, that was like right in your that, wheelhouse, Max. You, you messed man, up. You between, messed up between missing Nurse Joy and and framing Tom Hanks is this way. I have I, I have failed you, audience. I <laughs> truly, truly, um, truly. Yeah. Well, the my point was that um, it's very interesting to have this character that is so like yeah, coarse and bitter and snappy, and make her like just you know kind of in, like. Almost the embodiment of the higher up women in this hierarchy. Like this is the commander's wife, and yeah. look at her, or read about what she looks like more accurately. Like this is not a happy person, and I think that does add to the just unending bleakness of this entire. Oh setting. yeah, 
Again, I, I am looking forward to seeing... I would not be surprised, and I don't know if this is, like, I'm trying to, like, guess here, but I would not be surprised if the way the men are described are, like, they were super dapper and, like, really well-kept, and they just looked great because this is their world, you know? Like, this is, you know, because that's just... Nothing about this is, like, it seems to be beneficial for anyone. And I can't... Um, yeah. Yeah. And I can't help but wonder... Who in who in this republic is having a good time? Who? Who among us is enjoying Gilead? Uh, no one. Yeah, I, I would think so. Like, the aunts, I think, are enjoying mm-hmm. it because they're power-hungry and crazy. Yeah, as um, aunts usually are. I... <laughs> <laughs> I love my aunts. My aunts are lovely people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What, where do you where do you have such an anti aunt Um The aunt I used to have was bad. <laughs> I'm gonna stop there. Uh, I'll tell you later. Yeah, like I, I think that. I mean, it's sort of. Uh, I guess that this podcast is just gonna be full of Harry Potter references. Oh no, that's um, not what I was talking. I was I mean, actually talking about how my former aunt is terrible, just awful. Yeah, no, I wasn't going there. Um, <laughs> uh, but, like, I think it's sort of similar to, like, the Death Eaters, where, like, they talk about how, like, there's a bunch of them who are just there because they really want to seek power. Yeah. Um, like, we don't really see any true believers in Gilead. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do definitely see people who have successfully gained power in this system. And I, I think that's really the people who are enjoying Gilead are the people who get to exert power over others. So basically, Gilead is 4chan. Yes. Mm. Unkind to all people uh, except for the people who are causing the most chaos. Well, but it's not. These, these, the, the people with power aren't the ones causing chaos. They're instilling order. Oh, yeah. And discipline. Hmm. So, um. remove that comparison because now it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, as you brought up earlier, uh, my personal favorite line is that protective arm being withdrawn. And yeah. it's just, like, it's... You can, you can, you can just feel yeah. it, like, in your chest. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but because the protective arm belongs to a guardian who is, like, well-armed and will kill if, like, necessary. Yeah. That is who is protecting like, Offred, in quotation marks. Yeah, I mean, again, we come up with the theme of she just really wants someone, anyone, to, like, take care of her. I was like, nah, not everybody's an enemy here. No. <laughs> yeah, you have no My protagonist friends. is not is having any friends. She's not going to be going to any parties. She is staying <laughs> with me. Like, that kind of thing. Oh, well, there, there are some parties later oh, on. Oh, great. But we'll get there. Awesome, I'm glad. I, I hope them to be Gatsby <laughs> levels of fun. I think this chapter really shows me the power of the enemy and how mm-hmm. it creates, like, that offer describes Serena Joy, the commander's wife, as this yeah. bitter, taloned, <laughs> if that's even a word, old woman with an axe to grind with anybody who w- is required to be impregnated by her husband, forcibly, is... A way to show that the antagonist is the system by which everything is created. Because, I mean, I wouldn't say these people are like victims or anything, but the commander's wife is—is it—is it, it fair to say it's understandable where she's coming from? Oh yeah, um, I mean, and the 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 text specifically has Aunt Lydia be like, 
think about how hard this is on them. Yeah. Like, my, my friend once told me, my friend, uh, a, write, a screenwriter, she once told me, the best enemies are always organizations. Always. Yeah. And I think, I'm, I think this book is starting to show me, like, a real reason why is because it is the, is the obstacles, the people that get in the protagonist's way are the products of the actual antagonist of the organizations. Yeah, I think, um, sort of going off on that, I think that one of the other things this chapter shows us is that it's all fake. Yep. Um, that Serena Joy, who was this woman who was perfect and great and pious, her piety is broken by Gilead. She is now chain-smoking and, like, like she, the way she talks to Alfred is like, not so good for you either, she said with a coughing laugh. Um, and this is a reaction to the fact that, like, if Alfred fails in this posting, she's going to get sent to the colonies. And I'm going to guess the colonies are not where the parties are. Okay. No. Um, like, this is not someone who uh, is behaving very Christian. Um, <laughs> this is not God's way, I, Elsie. Like, it just isn't. This is not God's way. Yeah. I mean, the, the book gets actually a fair amount of flack of people saying like, oh, this is like an anti-Christian screed. Um, but really what it shows is that like the, the theocracy like breaks people away from their religious beliefs because it, it is so totalitarian and so inherently harsh mm-hmm. um, that it, it, it destroys that which it claims to perpetuate. Yeah. Well... I'm glad we're three chapters in because it seems we're going to go on an uphill from here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I cannot wait to see how things get even worse for Offred in chapter four. All right. Um, so, yeah, uh, make sure you are, you are tuning in with us um, when we get to chapter four in this, the Ofcast, the Handmaid's Tale Reader. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know um, what, you, what you think of these episodes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Mr. Max Mariner, M-R Max Mariner. That's an extra R in the middle of Mariner. Like the sailor, but with an extra R. You can find me on Twitter at the Muse Sappho. Um, that's the Muse, and then Sappho is spelled S-A-P-P-H-O. Um, our theme music is done by Daniel Chariot. And the logo is designed by the one and only Sydney Elliott. All right. Praise be. See you next time.